the Jews. That was the two-word answer given to Tsar Nicholas and Napoleon Bonaparte when they asked for proof that God is real. Uh, joining me today for our special podcast is Tim Moore. He's the chief executive officer and senior evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries. He's also the host of the weekly television program, Christ in Prophecy, and he publishes Lamb and Lion's bi-monthly Lamplighter magazine and leads pilgrimages to Israel. He travels anywhere to share the message that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Uh, Tim is also a graduate of United States Air Force Academy. He served for 34 years in the Air Force on active duty in the Kentucky Air National Guard and in the Air Force Reserve as an instructor pilot. Colonel Moore flew multiple missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. So we're gonna have a lot to talk about today. He also served for 13 years in the Kentucky legislature as a state representative where he, uh, where he chaired the pro-life caucus and the prayer caucus as well as veterans, military affairs and public protection committee. Uh, Tim, welcome to the program today. I mean, there is uh, so much going on and, and with your background, we're gonna really be able to get into a lot of things. And, and uh, so just thank you for joining me. I know the people are going to be encouraged. They're going to be strengthened. They're gonna be challenged. Uh, I can't wait. This is the first time we've done a program together. It is, but I hope it's the first of many, both uh, with your program and ours. I'm delighted to be here, Tom. I have to just tell you how much I appreciate even the name of, of your program, Hope for Our Times. We see so many people who whose hope is either fading or has been shaken. Uh, I like to say mine's not shaken or stirred because my hope is the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. But in this dark hour, the end times, it's drawing so close, uh, our times, you offer hope, and I'm just delighted to be a part of that today. Uh, thank you. Let me tell you, that the, the title of our ministry helps me to stay focused because there's so many things that distract us. Well, Tim, we have so much to talk about. I want to ask you questions because of your experience uh, as a pilot and uh, trainer also. What's going on right now? You have military connections. Uh, right. you, you and I are, have both frequented Israel. In fact, I was supposed to be there today. I was scheduled to interview, you would probably know him, Eli Shukron, the head yes. archaeologist at uh, City of David. We're going to go to Temple Zero today. And, you know, we missed that for obvious reasons. And our concern right now is what is going on. And I opened up with the statement, Tim, that you wrote in the upcoming Lamplighter uh, magazine, uh, The Jews, the two-word answer uh, given to Nicholas and Napoleon uh, when they asked for proof that God is real. Tim, uh, let's start with there, and then we're going to start working it out from that point. All right, very good. Obviously, uh, there is no other people group on earth that has been dispersed from their original homeland and yet maintained their identity, their affinity to one another, and is identifiable down through the centuries, uh, even maintaining their ancient uh, heritage and traditions, uh, albeit sometimes without a deep faith basis. There are Jews to this day who will celebrate the Passover, and yet they do not even believe in God. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, they have become secularized, and yet they've maintained a Jewish identity. And so the Lord God prophetically declared that he would not forget Israel, that he would not wash his hands of them, that he had a plan and a provision for them, and that in the end times, it would be a great second regathering. We know that in the days of Daniel, he was foreseeing the end of the Babylonian captivity. The Jews came back to the, the land from the east, uh, you could say east, northeast. But in recent years, just virtually within our lifetimes, or slightly beyond that view of me, Tom, Jews have streamed from every corner of the earth. They're still returning to Israel as God promised that he would bring them home to the land that was theirs given to Abraham. And so we have witnessed the resurgence of Israel as a modern nation in fulfillment of ancient prophecies. And even what we witness today ongoingly is proof that God has protected and preserved the Jewish people. And, and they become an ongoing living witness of, of his faithfulness. 
Amen. You know, Tim, I've, I've said this often, and uh, I think people who faithfully teach Bible prophecy, it's one of the things we recognize. We are watching right now this convergence of all these different signs. If we go back just a few weeks, we are talking about technology, um, all of the things going on with that. What's Russia's uh, business, Ukraine, um, looking at the false prophet, all these different dynamics were taking place. But if Israel wasn't a nation again, if the Jews weren't gathered back into the land again, the, none of those things would have a placeholder for any particular generation as being the potential generation that Jesus calls home uh, if Israel wasn't gathered as a nation again. So we look at that, and it's not a coincidence. None of these things are. We look at what's happening right now in Israel. I think of, of uh, 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 just the news coming out right now, how areas of yeah. the northern part of Israel are being evacuated right now because of the threat of Hezbollah. Uh, yesterday I read an article, it was actually from April of 2023, saying what is coming. It was in Jewish News Syndicate saying what is coming with the threats against Israel. And what it said was coming is virtually everything that we see happening. Uh, the threats coming from Hezbollah, from Hamas, from the Houthis. But again, this is God's chosen people. And that concept bothers a whole lot of people, those who are have no kind of biblical background, it bugs them. But what I'm really noticing is even within the Christian world, there's people that really struggle with this concept that God has a plan for the Jews. It's like they think God has abandoned the Jews. They teach replacement theology, but that is not what God, what the Bible teaches. And hence we see everything coming about just as God said, even the threat to annihilate Israel is biblical. It certainly is. You know, it's easy for us to lose historical context. Uh, Americans in particular have such short memories because we live in the moment and we, we don't remember. I, I can assure you other cultures have much longer memories uh, of what happened in, in generations gone by. And sometimes they even will bide their time looking for revenge uh, for a, an offense that happened you know, many years ago to a relative, a distant relative. Th all that to be said, uh, Christians for the last 2000 years trusted that the Lord would fulfill his promises. Some of them didn't understand how that could be. So relative to Israel, for instance, uh, for instance, there were many Christians in the late 1800s who said, well, we know God has promised that he will restore Israel. He will bring the Jewish people back into the promised land. But we don't understand how that's going to happen, because right now Jews are living very comfortably in places like Germany and Poland and even Russia. And, and so they couldn't understand how God would, would orchestrate human history, but they believed his word. And so they trusted him, and they knew it could happen very quickly as events would, uh, would culminate. We have not only the blessing of living in this day and age, we have the great blessing of hindsight. So we can look back over the past 2,000 years and understand how God has been at work. We can look back over the last 100 years and see how he has fulfilled those promises that many Christians for generations wished that they could witness with their own eyes, and we are. And so we, we have to keep in context that we're living in a day and age when prophecies are being fulfilled before our very eyes in ways that even the prophets who recorded the scriptures sometimes couldn't fathom. Daniel, for example, an outstanding example of a mighty prophet of God who was uniquely gifted. There's not even a, a record of any kind of wrongdoing on Daniel's part. He didn't have any moral failures like even King David. But Daniel at one point said, Lord, I don't understand. And God said, go your way, Daniel. It's not for you to understand, but in the end times, people will understand. Tom, we're living in those kind of end times when we can have the, the awareness of what's going on and what God has done to bring us to this point. So critical in that prophetic time clock is the regathering of the Jewish people, the reestablishment of Israel, and yes, even the multiplying animosity by those surrounding them on every side. I, I really appreciate everything you just shared. We, we have this ability, this opportunity right now, living as believers who trust the Bible, 
to be able to put everything into the right understanding. I think of the words of Daniel. You, you know, you talked about Daniel. And by the way, just for the record, everybody, because I know the comments sometimes come, Tim did not say Daniel never sinned. What he said is we don't read no, of any moral no. failure because I know how comments he, come, no. Tim. Yeah, it's not recorded that he was right. he, he dramatically failed, but we know he was a sinner. He confessed yeah. as much. Yeah, I know I know how comments come in, so I want to make sure that we can stop those from coming in because, uh, listen, we all need forgiveness. But, yeah, in Daniel, what I find interesting, Daniel chapter 9, when he knows that, hey, he's following the prophecies of Jeremiah, he knows Israel can go back into the land, he, he repents. You know, so yes. you look at that and you think, here's a guy, you don't have anything recorded of him, yet he realizes it's not just a failure on the nation of Israel. It's he even he even took some of that upon himself, which I find remarkable. He certainly did. So he so, sure but now, now with this, I also find this interesting with Daniel, is that Daniel chapter twelve, while Daniel is trying to get an understanding, the angel tells him, just as you quoted, it's not for you to know. It's for those who are living in that time. The angel goes on and says a couple of verses later, "Hey, uh, Daniel, the wicked will see it and they will not understand." but the wise will. And I've, I look at that and the implication for me from that passage, Tim, is that everybody in the world's going to know something is going on. Uh, we titled our, our time together today as uh, why are the nations in uh, an uproar? So every, I mean, all the different dynamics are taking place. Everybody knows that something's going wrong. However, the wise will understand is those who are trusting God opening up the Bible, looking at the Bible, and allowing the Bible to lead them, not allowing the news to lead them or anything like that, but saying, let me make sense of everything that's going on according to what the Word says. And, and yeah. I look and go, that is, we, what a privilege we have to be alive today, to be able to do these things. Well, you know what? I saw the other day, where it was reported in national news that 39% of Americans think we're living in the end times, which means, Tom, that you and I have been doing our job, which is proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ and alerting people to the fact that we are living on borrowed time, as we like to say. We're living in the season of the Lord's return. So for Christians, that means we should be urgent about sharing the gospel. That's the first and foremost thing. We should be intentional about living holy lives, knowing that our great God and Savior could have burst from the heavens at any time, and we should keep our eyes on him. But for an unbelieving world, that message is flee from the wrath to come and into the loving arms of our Savior. So our message is at least resonating. And when things like, you know, the war that's happening in Israel right now transpire, people have an even heightened sense that, wow, something is amiss. And let's face it, we already knew that looking around at our society. One of the, the many signs of the times is the degradation of society. And so even those that are spiritually blind are beginning to recognize something is not right. And maybe the Lord's uh, word, God's word, the Bible uh, has something to say about it. And certainly it does. Yeah, it, it does. You know, I found it interesting that Joe Rogan, uh, not too long ago, had uh, said all the stuff going on, like, talking about technology and tracking everybody sounds like the mark of the beast. Now he's not obviously uh, well, super well-informed on the Bible, but he's heard enough to be able to say, Hey, something is suspicious here. And, and we have the answers, which is fantastic. We we've got the answers. Um, as I look at things that are taking place and we think of the nation of Israel, I want to ask you this. You're, you're, your upcoming Lamplighter is just fantastic. Your publication. Um, Thank you. You have uh, one of just just one of the sections is titled "It Begins and Ends with Israel," and right. that is such a hard concept for so many people to understand. But Tim, walk us through this because you can go all the way back to Abraham. You follow the covenant Abraham for the land. We have the messianic covenant. Jesus, uh, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Uh, the, the entire message was all Israel bound or, or was centered there. He's crucified just outside the city gates of Jerusalem. He's going to come back and stand on the Mount of Olives. He's going to be worshipped in the millennial kingdom in Jerusalem. But it begins and ends with Israel and with 
the Jew. Can you walk us through this a little bit? Wow, how many hours do we have? Uh, on this <laughs> we'll have to do another podcast. program sometime. <laughs> well, obviously the Lord called Abram to leave his people. He was living amongst uh, a pagan people. His father was an idol worshiper, and God called Abram. And because Abram hearkened to the voice of the Lord, because he believed God, not just believed in God, as Paul later, he believed God. He trusted God, and he obeyed God and went to the land that God showed him uh, and lived his life trusting in the promise of God. God promised to make him the father of a multitude of nations, and yet in his entire life he had one, excuse me, one child of promise. And so Abram knew that God would be true to his promises even if it took longer than his lifetime. Uh, God promised him to, to have possession of the land, the promised land, and yet during his lifetime he did not. So we know that his descendants, the, the sons of Jacob, by virtue of Isaac and Jacob, renamed Israel, became the, uh, the carriers of the promise. So God delivered the, the scriptures through Jewish authors. He brought about the Messiah through a Jewish lineage. And obviously, he used the Jewish people as a demonstration of his grace. And I think a lot of modern people, including some Christians, will dismiss the Jews and say, well, they don't deserve God's uh, favor. And my answer is, you're right, but neither do I, yeah. and neither do yeah. you. None of us deserves the grace and mercy of God, Almighty God. He chooses to give us his grace, not because of our faithfulness. Even when we turn to him in belief, it is a demonstration of his faith and of his, his unmerited favor on us. So the Jewish people became a, a living testimony of God's faithfulness. I mean, read the book of Hosea when he says, take for you a, a wife of harlotry and love her in spite of her faithlessness, just the way I've loved Israel. So over the many, many generations, God has been faithful to his promise. And as Paul wrote, you mentioned a moment ago, Tom, Romans 11, uh, I love nine through 11, but in Romans 11, God, or Paul, uh, through the leading of the Holy Spirit writes, I say this then, God has not rejected his people, has he, meaning Israel. And he answers, may it never be, for I to him an Israelite. And he goes on to explain how God came, obviously in the person of Jesus Christ, to share the good news of salvation to the Jew first, but also the Gentile. And so in verse 11 of chapter 11, he says that they, meaning this, the Jews, did not stumble to us to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. So these last 2,000 years, the church has taken on a largely uh, Gentile flavor uh, of many Gentiles coming to faith and some Jews, but because of their status as being chosen, God has not set them aside. He still has a provision to bring them back into faith through the revealed person of Jesus Christ. And so we have the privilege of praying for the peace of Jerusalem, praying for Israel, and sharing the gospel with individual Jews. You know, you think, why did he choose them? I've had some Jewish friends, Tom, that said, I wish he'd chosen somebody else. Don't choose us, because it's been a real, you know, headache for all the generations. My own children would tell you that uh, I would sometimes hold them to a higher standard because, as I like to say, and my parents probably years too, Tom would say, you knew better. And so God <laughs> yeah. revealed himself to the Jews. He's held them to a standard, but he has never written them off. And I think it's just a, a beautiful demonstration that you and I, Tom, having put, put our faith in Christ, he will never be faithless to us. And, and so really, even the Jewish people are a testimony to God's faithfulness. And that's why I praise him all the more. Amen. Um, I think of you reminding me of the words of Tavia from Fiddler on the Roof when he looks up at God and says, couldn't you have just chosen somebody else? You know, thinking exactly of the right. Russian programs. But the reality of it is that God had to choose somebody for the Messiah to come through. He had to choose somebody yeah. for the land. So it God, that was God's choice. God calls Abram out, just as you mentioned, from the pagan world that he was a part of. Uh, I think what a lot of most people don't recognize is everybody is a Gentile before God created the Jewish people, meaning they're all part of the nation. So God 
calls Abram out, creates a people for the land, creates a people for the Messiah to come through. And and God's faithful to his promise. So when we look, even in Ezekiel chapter 36, you can find similar uh, teachings in Deuteronomy and so forth. But God says, because my name is on the covenant, even though you you profane my name wherever I I scattered you, I'm bringing you back in the land because of my name on the covenant. And the same thing, for my you, name's sake, yeah, exactly. And, and same thing you pointed out for the believer. Listen, is there anyone who is a Christian that be, that suddenly you are perfect? You never do anything wrong once you get saved. No, I mean. There's some people who think they don't, but that's a problem in and of itself. But right. all of us praise God that our salvation is because of the name of Christ, not whether or not I have, I'm not able to earn my salvation. The Jews weren't able to earn their way to having some kind of favor with God. That's not what it was. God chose them for a purpose, and God has also blessed us with the gift of salvation for a purpose. And our purpose right now is to tell all of the world of the hope that we have in Christ. Um, I think of also, you know, you quoted earlier, I don't think you actually mentioned Peter, but you, you quoted everything from Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, where Peter writes, since all these things will be, where Peter's talking about how scoffers are going to come in the last day, say, where's the promise of his coming? There's going to be new heaven, new earth, judgments coming and so forth. Since all these things will be, Therefore, what manner of person we ought to be in holy conduct and godliness and hastening the coming of the day of God, which is everything that you touched on. And I, I, I think we forget that. And sometimes, Tim, we get almost too caught up in the excitement of the signs and we forget what we are supposed to be as believers, a light giving hope and, and sharing, hey, you can have Christ. You know, we'll get to talking about current things in Israel in just a minute, because I want to ask you about your military uh, thoughts on it. But, I mean, I look at the hope that we have in Christ, the opportunity we have to share that with others. Well, that, that is beautifully said, and you're exactly right. You mentioned at the very opening, talking about the title of your, uh, your ministry outreach, uh, Hope for, the, for Our Times, and we can have a hope. And you also mentioned a word about not being distracted. Let's face it, right now, there are so many distractions in our world. Satan would like to have us take our eyes off of Christ. We know what happened when Peter took his eyes off Christ uh, on the waters of the Sea of Galilee. He began to sink into the waves. And so we who are anticipating the Lord's return need to keep our focus on Him. Yeah, we recognize all the things multiplying around us. We witness the signs, and they give us evidence that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. Never set a date or an hour but we need to keep our eyes on Christ and stay grounded in our blessed hope, as Paul wrote to Titus. And I think of of Psalm 46, you know, the psalmist there said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Uh, Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, the waters roar and foam, the mountains quake at its swelling pride. In other words, we are grounded and rooted in Christ. And so none of these distractions can take our eyes off of him. We must always keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And because he is in us, because we are grounded in him, we can stand almost as lighthouses built upon a rock, shining the light of salvation into a very dark world. Right now, there are people who are are roiling on the waves of moral confusion and insanity, even in our own society. There are people in Israel who obviously are, are caught up in a conflict that that is horrific in terms of of the hatred that's being manifested toward them. And so as we shine the light of truth, and not just guys like you and me, Tom, really every one of your viewers today individually represents a lighthouse within their own family, within their own community, within this ever darkening world to shine the truth of the gospel and person of Jesus Christ, our blessed hope, so that others can be drawn to his light and indeed to him. Amen. I think it's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, that we have the prophetic word that shines a, as a light in the dark place. And, uh, you know, you look and yes. go, we live in a very dark place. Uh, as we, we titled the program, uh, Why Are the Nations in an Uproar? I can't help but think of Psalm 2, 
where the, the yeah. princes, the leaders of the world, they gather together, they conspire. There's a conspiracy to cast off the restraints of God, to get rid of this, the restraint of his word from them, to build their own kingdom. Uh, and God says, I'll hold them in derision and, you know, and I will anoint the most holy. And uh, you look at it and God says, you didn't cast, attempt to cast me off. But we, so we watch all things going this way. And, but when we bring it back to Israel, we realize, wait, the culmination of thing, of events, Israel is the epicenter. Jerusalem is, is the center of the epicenter. Um, I, you know, we keep hearing a lot, and I've said it many times over the last week and a half, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Well, the first before that, Psalm 122, verse 5, says the thrones of judgment are set there in Jerusalem. And I think there's a reason why Satan wants, he's targeted Jerusalem. Uh, the throne yes. of judgment is there, and, and he knows he's about ready to be eternally uh, sentenced. Certainly so. And the other thing that's so beautiful about Psalm 2 is it assures us that God sits in the heavens and laughs. He's not doesn't laugh because all the efforts of mankind to cast off the fetters and to, to act wickedly is a laughing matter. No, he laughs because all of their efforts to thwart his will are so ridiculous. You cannot thwart the will of God. His prophetically declared final will for the world and for each of us who put our faith in him and those who reject him is set as it is in stone. And so at the end of Psalm 2, it's a beautiful gospel-oriented message where the, the psalmist says, Now therefore, O kings, show discernment and take warning, O judges of the earth. And I would dare say, not just kings and judges, every person, take warning. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son. There is a, a prophetic pointing to the Son of God himself that he not become angry and you perish in the way for his wrath may soon be kindled. And, and indeed, we are coming closer and closer to the promised day when his wrath will be kindled. But the last passage in Psalm 2, how blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. And so... As, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have taken refuge at the foot of the cross where God's wrath has already been poured out on Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is no condemnation for any who are in Christ. And what a glorious message that is, Tom. Again, hope for our times. Amen. Uh, that was great, Tim. What a great explanation on uh, where it says here where God will laugh and hold them in derision. That was such a great explanation. You're not going to be able to thwart God's sovereign plan uh, let me shift gears and go over to what's okay. currently going on in Israel. You have a pretty extensive uh, military background. You have connections I don't have. What are your thoughts? I mean, I mean, you and I can both look at it. We know ultimately Israel's going to come out ahead because we can see how the Bible plays out. But it is also what is building against Israel. Uh, we can see it. Everything I read, is, it's going to get very bad of uh, the things that are coming. Um, we know the end's going to be great, but in the meantime, what are, what are your thoughts as you talk to people, you hear things? Well, first of all, uh, we start and end uh, with the Word of God, and so in this regard, we know that when God does regather His chosen people, Israel, back to their land, and you say, is it really their land? I I was reading recently a Palestinian Christian who who scoffed at the idea that this was land given to the Jews because God essentially has taken it away from them. No, Amos chapter 9, verse 15, the Lord says, I will also plant them on their land, and they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. In other words, when he regathers the Jewish people, we know that God will protect to preserve them and they will not be rooted out until the Antichrist for a short season comes after the Jewish people. But we can go to Psalm 83. We can talk about Ezekiel 38 and 39. We know that there are conflicts coming where Israel is threatened by the nations immediately surrounding it. So Psalm 83 hearkens to the inner ring, if you will, of nations, that uh, being Gaza, specifically named there, the Philistia in Psalm 83. Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. And what do all those nations uh, at Israel's borders have in common, or at least the people groups? 
They are Islamic nations that are being increasingly radicalized. And there are Palestinians, self-proclaimed Palestinians, who have set as their sole agenda the destruction of Israel. So Hamas, as an example, is an organization whose charter says they exist not to provide uh, improvement in life for the people of Palestine, but their whole purpose and plan is to destroy Israel. Hamas's name means the Islamic resistance. Resistance to what? Israel. But in Arabic, that that name Hamas, which is an acronym of the Islamic resistance, also means enthusiastic rage. And so we see a prophetic fulfillment of what God declared to Hagar with her son Ishmael, how he would be a wild donkey of a man against all others. And today, Satan is stirring up the hearts of those who are, are following after false gods to hate the Jewish people and to hate Israel. So we know that they will not be successful, but there's going to be a great time of, of calamity. And in the near term, even as we're talking today, I expect Israel is going to launch a counterattack into Gaza to root out these terrorists. And then we don't know how quickly this war could expand to be that inner ring of nations or in, in somewhat short order, the outer ring that we talk about uh, with Gog and Magog, with Russia, Turkey, and obviously Iran. We can see everything escalate. This is, to me, is just another, another sign that points to how yes. close we really are. And, and it's also a reminder of the signs for everybody who, who follows Bible prophecy or people who are starting to. They're starting yeah. to get interested. It's the signs that, that do get our attention. And Jesus himself said, uh, Mark chapter 13, for example, watch and pray, watch and be ready. Watch, I say to you, watch, I say to all. But right. ultimately, we cannot forget what the signs point to. All signs point to something. It doesn't matter what the sign is for, the purpose of the sign. It tells you to stop. It tells you to go. It tells you to turn right. It tells you to there's a bridge out. Whatever the sign is, all the prophetic signs point to Jesus Christ. And as you mentioned a few times in this program, we got to remember Jesus and all this. And, and as we... So we take the opportunity to talk to people about the science because they, they have questions. Everybody knows something's going on. The Joe Rogans of the world and everybody else knows something goes on is going on. We, we take the opportunity with the science to say, yes, and this is what the Bible says, and this is about Jesus. Because ultimately, man, people need the Lord. And I look at, you know, so we know that when the tribulation comes, Tim, it won't just be judgment for Israel. Uh, is judgment for the world. And ultimately, it's about the salvation of Israel. God's yes. prophetic word is going to be fulfilled. He is redeeming his, broad, his, uh, his people. We think of Matthew 23, Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we know ultimately God is going to use these things. He's getting their attention. But there's also there's judgment on the whole world because it's not just Israel that's got sin issues. The entire Gentile world has sin issues, and God says this is this judgment is coming. Tim, real, I'll have you comment on that in just a second. But first, how can people connect with you? Well, our ministry, uh, Christ in Prophecy, is our television program, uh, our Lamplighter magazine, as you've mentioned, bi-monthly. They can go to ChristInProphecy.org. Somebody told me one time, you misspelled Christian. No, it's ChristInProphecy.org. <laughs> uh, you can sign up for our magazine for free. You can, can view all of our television programs. I mean, they're broadcast literally around the world, but you can pull up any particular broadcast, all of our, our podcasts, all of our other media material from the last 43 years is available through our website. And obviously, people can find us uh, on their local channel sometimes or on uh, networks like Daystar and God TV. But the easiest these days is the website. And so we'd be delighted to connect with people. Obviously, it's a great uh, mutual encouragement to be uh, co-laboring with folks like you, Tom. And so we are uh, trying to share the same message of the Lord soon return and others in a similar vein. And so we try to be encouraging to one another, even as we're encouraging to your viewers, our viewers, to uh, to pay attention to the signs. So, you know, 
I think they are multiplying, they're converging, and, and certainly we can talk more about that as well. Yeah, but, and, and again, I just want to reiterate, uh, Christ and Prophecy, fantastic ministry. The publication is outstanding. You can get it for free from, from Christ and Prophecy. So make sure that you check it out. I've been, follow, I've been following the publication for a long, a long time. Um, so Tim, let me go back to, uh, when I was talking about the signs watching, but judgment, judgment is coming upon the world. God's going to save Israel. Doesn't mean every Jew's gonna be saved. So we're not saying that, but we can see it and we know biblically what's coming. We don't know exactly how, we don't know exactly when, but we can tell uh, enough because the Bible's given us enough, but judgment, the tribulation is judgment. It's gonna be horrific. It certainly is. You know, I liked what you said a moment ago, Tom, that the signs themselves, as exciting as they are, we don't stop and just uh, gaze at the sign. You know, if I'm driving down the road uh, with my children on a way to a, a wonderful destination and I see road signs that begin to appear uh, more and more frequently saying, you know, 100 miles until that destination, 50 miles, we don't stop and have a picnic and say, well, we've, we've reached the sign. Let's just sit here and enjoy basking under the sign. No, the sign's telling us that destination is lying ahead. So in the signs of the times, we've always uh, hearkened to six categories of signs. It just makes it easier for people to kind of figure out where they fit. So that would be signs of nature, signs of society. Boy, haven't those multiplied in just the last few years, even in this country. Signs uh, that are spiritual in nature, both positive and negative. Signs of world politics, yes, that's the alignment of the nations and even the, the hearkening toward a one world government uh, ushering in the Antichrist. Signs of technology that allow us to understand how other prophetic signs are being fulfilled and will, will be fulfilled. And the final greatest sign of all is the signs of Israel, but all of these are converging in ways that, like I said before, our forebears would have dreamed of seeing them coming to fruition. They are in our own day and age. If we have eyes to see, and if we do a dirty five-letter word relative to Scripture, Tom, that's called S-T-U-D-Y. We have to read and study in order to heed the Word of God. So the Lord has revealed, and you say, well, I don't, I don't know if I have much interest in Bible prophecy. Well, it, it is so much of the Word of God. I would actually argue that the entire Bible is prophetic, but we know that in terms of foretelling, a quarter to a third of the Bible deals with future events. That's one of God's ways of validating His authority and the authenticity of His Word. And He's chosen to reveal these things to us because He wants us to understand. He doesn't want us to be distracted or dismayed, even as things start to converge as we're witnessing. He wants us to realize he's still in control. He foretold all these things would happening, even the growing darkness in the world around us, which gives us reason to, to recognize, as Adrian Rogers once said, it's getting gloriously dark. We don't celebrate the darkness, but we know what is coming soon, or more appropriately, who is coming soon and very soon. That, that was great. I'm going to ask you this question in just a second, Tim, and here it is. Uh, what are the most surprising prophetic trends or events that you have observed this year? I'll come back to that in a second. But first of all, I want to thank everybody just for your support. It's the only way we can do what we do. And just so you know, we are not supported by any church at all, not a single penny. So some people think we're supported by this organization or that. We are not. It's just by you guys. So I just really want to thank you because it's very encouraging and it is uh, how, we, uh, how we're able to move forward and, and do what we do. Uh, so thank you guys. Okay, Tim, this question, what are the most, well, let me ask you a different one first. Let me try this one. Two questions. What are, what's the most underrated issue that we are currently facing? What do you think? Wow. Uh, well, I would have said Israel at one time with Christians recognizing the immensity of that sign. I've asked folks uh, for the last number of years as I've been proclaiming Jesus soon return, you know, a few old timers were, were alive in 1948, but, but many uh, were alive in 1967. I was very young, but I've asked people who were around in 1967 to describe the excitement in their churches when Israel, the, the Jewish people came back in possession of Jerusalem. 
And they kind of look around at each other and they say, well, there was no excitement. And I say, you're right. The church was oblivious to the fact that God was fulfilling his ancient prophecies before our very eyes. And so until just recent days, I would have said the church too often remains oblivious to the, the amazing fulfillment of Bible prophecy in our own day and age. Other than that, I think the thing that is most striking, and it's, it's heartbreaking, is the rapid fall of even our society, what I call our formerly Christian nation, into abject paganism and moral confusion and depravity, all foretold. We can go to Romans chapter 1. We can go to, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, where the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to the deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And we're witnessing that. It's heartbreaking, but I think that is a sign that that has happened so quickly just in the last few years that even many Christians are shocked at how rapid things are culminating. That was spot on. You wrote an article a while back. It was published in Harbinger's. It was excellent on the reprobate mind when God in Romans chapter one gives us over to gives a people over to a reprobate or debased mind. It was excellent, and it goes right along those lines. I encourage everybody to read it if you can get a, get a all you got to do is just Google Harbingers and, and Tim Moore, and you'll find that article. Okay, final question for you, the million-dollar question, <laughs> although you're not going to get a penny for doing this. I was going to say, is, is it <laughs> No, you're not, you're not giving any your, re, your rewards in heaven. <laughs> uh, I'll take that. Uh, that will be please. actually way better, won't it? Oh, it'll be so yes, much it better. Will. It really will be. What are the most surprising prophetic trends or events that you have observed this year? Or wow. maybe just one. Do you uh, have I think I just said the, the rapid yeah. decline and the fall away. Yeah. I think many, here's what I mentioned earlier with regard to the Jewish people. And it's a phrase that was, uh, harkens back to my own childhood. I remember buddies who would, you know, commit the same uh, youthful offense that I would. And they didn't get in the kind of trouble I got into because, as my father said, well, I don't know about your buddies, but you, you knew better. And I think that's why God has held Israel to a higher standard at times, why he has disciplined them as a father would discipline a child. But I look at our own nation here in America, and, and it grieves my heart as a Christian patriot, a man who served uh, 34 years. I've got a son and two nephews who are in the military today. It grieves my heart to think of how far we collectively in America have fallen. And I think God would hold us to a higher standard because, to use that phrase, we knew better. We were founded on Christian principles for many years. We called ourselves one nation under God. We, we recognized the Judeo-Christian underpinnings of our entire civilization here in the West, and yet we've abandoned that, and our own leaders are not only— uh, celebrating debauchery and wickedness, they are encouraging it amongst other nations. And so we are a living fulfillment of Romans 1. I never would have dreamed how far we would fall so quickly, and yet it weighs upon my heart. If the Lord tarries, how much worse will things get in our own society for my children, for my grandchildren? And so we as Christians again, don't need to be distraught or dismayed. The Lord told us these things would happen, but we need to be motivated to make sure that we share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I've asked people lately even to read Psalm 73, where Asaph the psalmist recognized that, that he sometimes in the deep recesses of his heart felt like life isn't fair, the wicked seem to thrive, and, and I struggle. But then he said, if I opened my mouth, to express in words that that sentiment, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. And it really struck me how many of us, if our grandchildren give testimony to what we talk about, would say, boy, my grandfather was always so distraught and discouraged about the way the world's going to hell in a handbasket or even faster nowadays. Or would they, would they testify, my grandfather was always talking about his blessed hope in Yeshua, in Jesus Christ. And so we have to use this opportunity to redouble our efforts to be that light and to share that hope because the world is growing darker by the day, but we know 
the, the one who is the way, the truth, the life, and the light of the world. Amen. Tim, what a great note to end our time here today. Uh, the blessed hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and keeping our eyes fixed on him. I love how you, you yeah. just mentioned that with that Psalm, Psalm 73, and reminding us, you know, what are we doing? Just going around, whoa, look, everything's going to hell, all dark now. You, what, a, what a great reminder, the light and the hope, Jesus is coming. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever, and it's going to be great. And as you said several times, we're privileged. We, are, we, we have an opportunity right now to live in these days. They really are amazing days if we have the right perspective, God's biblical Amen. perspective. Uh, yes. any, do you have any final closing thoughts for all our viewers? No, again, Tom, I just thank you for your voice and uh, for the message you proclaim. Again, I'm honored to be co-laboring alongside you, brother. And so until the Lord comes, or as long as he tarries, uh, we will be proclaiming Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. I hope all of your, your viewers will, will take very personally the privilege and responsibility of doing the same. Amen. Thank you, Tim, for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Be sure to check out Tim's uh, ministry. Go over to Christ in Prophecy. You're going to be super blessed over there. And please like and share this with everybody that you can because the only way that we get the word out is with you guys uh, doing that. So thank you, everybody. And I look forward to seeing you. Listen, this week, Don Perkins is tomorrow. Monkey is going to be on the app exclusive on Wednesday. Bill Salas on Thursday is going to join me in studio. We're going to be looking at Psalm 83 and what in the world's going on. So uh, we have an exciting week lined up. God bless you guys. See ya. Godspeed. Thank you.